Good Sunday morning. I'm Glenna Milberg. Great to be with you and thank you so much for spending some of the last hours of 2023 right here with us. This has been a year of challenges on so many levels, but today we are not looking back. We are looking ahead, ahead to 2024 priorities and plans and concerns and predictions for all of South Florida. And to do that, every county mayor in South Florida is right here, all three, for a big collaborative look at what's in store. Welcome everyone uh, at your left to right, Broward Mayor Nan Rich, Miami-Dade Mayor Daniela Levine-Cava, and Monroe County Mayor Holly Rashine. So great to have the ladies in today. And we can, uh, we can have our big dinner party without the wine discussion. And I wanna start with, for everyone in South Florida listening to their mayors, the big challenges for 2024, the great big, if there is one, county challenge ahead that you foresee and we will go by county population uh, so Daniela Levine Cava who is who was here for our the beginning of this tradition last year what do you foresee as Miami-Dade's biggest challenge this year? Blana, thank you so much great to be back and having our roundtable dinner uh, together with my two wonderful lady friend mayors uh, Holly and uh, and uh, Nan so here we are together and we're going to go by first names right? Yes. <laughs> That's how, That's how we roll. That's how we roll. That's wonderful. Well, just like I said last year, housing, housing, and housing. Because we are living with uh, New York prices, but not New York incomes. And we have been working feverishly in Miami-Dade County. We launched our homes plan. We're working actually on Homes 2.0, so more on that in a bit. But bottom line is we need to provide housing. It's a basic human need and a basic human right. And if we do not allow for people to be able to afford to live here, then our booming economy is not going to be able to be sustained and their quality of life is, is horrific. We're going to lose them. So we have doubled down and, and done everything we can think of uh, and more to come on uh, increasing the supply, uh, helping people to get by uh, at the current rates, uh, creating an office of advocacy specifically around housing issues, and uh, many, many ways that we're preserving as well as building housing. In, in Broward County, Nan Rich, um, so many of our problems and challenges that we'll talk about for the next, um, for this hour are regional, and I'm guessing housing then yeah. is the A number one concern in Broward too? Absolutely, uh, all South Florida. It is, uh, I would believe, the, the number one issue. And uh, Broward is no exception. And uh, like my 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 colleague uh, Daniela, we have been working hard in Broward County, recognizing that this is the greatest challenge. And I always say it's not. You know, people talk about it as being a an economic development issue. It is, but it's also a moral issue, because we have so many people that are impacted. It used to be, you know, just a, a, a few categories, but today. We're talking in Broward County of 61.9% of the people are cost burdened mm. and are having trouble. And we don't have the supply of affordable housing. So uh, I'm very excited about what our county commission has done uh, over the last few years. I got on, I, I was elected to the board the first time in 2016. And at that time, uh, the county was putting in $250,000 to affordable housing. Uh, and of course it wasn't the same the caliber of problem that it is right now, but it has grown and grown and grown. And we have um, been very uh, um, strong in, in, our, in our priorities now to make this the number one priority in this community. 
we we've gone from that two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to this year putting in twenty million in our um, of our general fund money. The voters passed a bond a, a voter um, uh, initiative uh, in twenty eighteen to create a affordable housing trust fund in Broward County, similar to the one in Tallahassee, Sadowski, as my friend Holly is, would, would, would remember. But uh, ours is a lockbox. Uh, anything that goes into it has to go to affordable housing and can't be swept for any other purpose. Um, we also have been working with Dr. Nan Murray from FIU Metropolitan Center in Miami-Dade. And you're all, I know, familiar with him as well. And uh, we've had two major needs assessments, one in 2018, one in 2022. And as he says, his words were, we went from crisis to catastrophe. Um, so now we're responding to that. We just had a workshop with the county commission. We're going to be, uh, we have, we're developing a 10-year action plan. And I can get into some of those things later yeah. uh, of uh, the issues and the things that we're going to be doing in this community. Uh, but one thing I would say is that, um, you know, it's a regional problem. In our own community, we see it as a problem for everybody. Yeah. We have to work together, collaborate, collaborate, collaborate uh, in order to uh, achieve a goal of, of uh, providing the affordable housing that's needed. Yeah. Um, you, you had mentioned. Uh, and our, our, gap, our yeah. gap financing dollars are a big help, but it's just one aspect of it. Um, and we unfortunately don't have the surtax that Miami State has. Daniela knows that. I've, I served in the legislature for 12 years, and we never could get that for other counties uh, to be able to take advantage of that. So you know, we're you coming had mentioned, up with others. You had mentioned yeah. supply and demand, and that's, you know, so mm -hmm. Dade Broward is just a, a finite amount of land, but boy, Monroe County is a very, very <laughs> finite <laughs> amount of land. Right. Holly Rashine, um, housing in the Keys is um, I know it's it's your biggest issue, and I know it's much like Miami-Dade and Broward. It's the start of a domino effect for a lot of other issues. I love how your segue was. There's we have run out of land yeah. in the Florida Keys, as you know. We're a long, skinny chain of beautiful islands, and we have been striving to strike a balance with the needs of our residents the needs of our businesses, and of course, the needs of the millions upon millions of tourists that visit our islands every single year. We, uh, again, part of that balance, part of that equation is finding uh, the formula that is, is right for our community and our neighboring communities. We're, you know, obviously Miami-Dade and, and Broward are very important partners and neighbors for us. We have to bus in, I would say 60% of our workforce just in the upper keys and middle keys from the mainland due to the cost of housing and specifically workforce housing. Um, we don't use the words affordable housing down in the keys because we'd like to be able to build everybody a home in the keys that would like to live there, but that's just not re reality. And so we have really focused on the workforce portion and uh, the, the costs are just going through the roof. Uh, inflation is obviously impacting everybody in the nation. Uh, we're really feeling it down in the keys. You know, a, a normal, you know, lot of concrete on the mainland costs this much. Well, it's four times as much down in the keys. And of course, when you build in the keys, we are held to extremely high standards with regard to our building code. So it, housing is something that I, we could spend your entire show talking about, quite frankly, because it is the number one need in the Florida Keys, followed by traffic. And then, of course, 
conserving and preserving our pristine environment. So we have chipped away. It's like a giant elephant that we have been taking one bite at a time. We, we have been very thoughtful. We have partnered with the federal government. We've partnered with the state of Florida. And of course, we are unlocking many avenues and unblocking many avenues that we can address this issue locally. Um, you know, vacation rentals are a big deal. I know that they are in Miami-Dade and Broward County as well. What is the balance between allowing vacation rentals versus full-time residents versus workforce housing? And that those are some of the issues that we're grappling with right now. And flooding FEMA and family vacation spots. Our year ender with the three South Florida County mayors rolls through all of them next. pick up on what you just talked about the vacation rentals short-term rentals uh, there are portions of the counties and, and some cities that have very strict restrictions especially in neighborhoods there is a whole slate of bills being filed that I know they, they call them the preemption laws that's kind of a legalese term which means the state <laughs> is kind of big footing a lot of the local county and city laws vacation rentals there's a bill about that um, the Live Local Act, which was a huge priority for the Senate president to build affordable housing um, and, and probably will be very successful in some ways, but also takes away a lot of local rules. And I wonder if, you know, jump right in and, and let me and let us yeah, like, hear like about what kind of challenge those preemptions from the state are going to be for your counties. I'd like to comment on the Live Local Act. I had that on my list of things that I wanted to mention because there are some good things about that bill, no question. But the provisions also allow uh, developers to bypass local land use mm -hmm. review. It is a preemption again. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things that are, it's so significantly important for all of us uh, happens to be resiliency implications. And this takes away that opportunity for the, for the local communities to pay attention to that. And you can build a, a, a you know, a huge, uh, you know, multi-multi-story building if you're going to put 40% affordable housing into it, but you absolutely give, you know, no no credibility to preserving the um, uh, the ability of local governments who are planning like we all are on our resilience needs uh, and, and looking at flood control, flood risk, uh, 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 evacuations, all the different things that go along with uh, building in places where along the coast, and we're all coastal, yeah. So it's a it is a is a critical issue to that, and we're we're looking to try and have something done this year. There's not a lot of interest, except possibly on the in the resilience area, which is the one that we're kind of looking at. And I hope maybe my colleagues would join me in that because I know that's an issue for for both of them as well. I know well, just um, th there have been just a couple of storms very, very recently that I think surprised may maybe not people in leadership, but I think people in homes on the streets were really surprised at the effects <laughs> of all of a sudden some of those really heavy rains incapacitated some neighborhoods. Daniela? Well, first, I wanted to follow up on Nan's suggestion that we work together on these legislative matters. And we all know that when these counties, South Florida gets together, we can have real leverage in Tallahassee. So really critically important that we share our mutual concerns and advocacy. And uh, we need, we've done it, but we need to do it even more so. Preemption is, uh, you know, as old as the hills. Uh, and certainly uh, 
it's been happening at a, an increasing rate. And as to Live Local, we've heard that there won't be adjustments to it this year, which is unfortunate because definitely there's lessons learned already. Uh, it, it is some of the things that Nan mentions, but also the lack of uh, impact fees, which make it very difficult to create the infrastructure around the new housing. Uh, we believe in Miami-Dade County, we've been very proactive about creating housing that is more affordable. So we've upzoned along transit corridors. Um, we've uh, expedited building permits. We've allowed more innovative uh, approaches of, of prefabricated housing, different things that allow housing to be built quicker, which reduces the cost, reduces along the corridors. You can have fewer parking spaces because you can utilize transit. That brings down the cost. So we think we're doing a lot of innovative things. And this uh, Live Local was a kind of a across the board application without really mindful of, of innovations happening in different communities. And the lack of impact fees is, is really critical. If you have to build new new roads, water, sewer, uh, tra traffic mm -hmm. uh, signals, you know, all of those things that go into it and cause a burden then on local government without any ability to, to draw down from the developers who are, of course, uh, making a profit or they wouldn't be doing the development. So I, I want to underscore uh, those things. And when you talk about flooding, uh, yeah, let's say flooding are us, right? <laughs> we know that the seas are rising and we are all very mindful of it. We're adjusting our building codes accordingly. Um, more, more to come, more aggressive action. And I'm working with FEMA, for example, on uh, major efforts to coordinate not just cross counties, but really in within our county, we have 34 municipalities. They all have their stormwater utility uh, and we have to work together because the water flows everywhere. And uh, we, we have been extremely aggressive. We've been able to reduce the impacts of these major uh, rain events, but they are not going to stop. Extreme weather is with us and definitely another major challenge for all of us here in South Florida with the climate change and seas rising. Yeah, Holly, in the in the Keys, we've seen, I mean, that's a it's kind of a no brainer to know that the Florida Keys are the canary in the coal mine for any sea level rise, any resiliency issues. Lately, I know right along US one, the main artery in and out of Monroe County, um, there have been some real infrastructure issues in aging infrastructure. And I wonder if that's just sort of a, a calamity waiting to happen. <laughs> Yes. Um, before I get to that, do you mind if I just touch on the vacation rental expansion? All right. It. So this is a conversation I know when Nan was in the legislature, when I was in the legislature that we were having. It's decades old. And there are bills filed year after year. They gain traction and then they sort of explode at the end because everyone struggles again to find that balance that I spoke about early earlier you know, um, balancing property rights, balancing vacation rentals, pushing residents out of their homes. We're seeing that in the keys versus, you know, what uh, community character. Some of these vacation rentals affect their neighbors. And I really hope, fingers are crossed, that the legislature this year will really yield to the locals. You know, I, I know I say that in jest, but not really. I really do hope <laughs> That because vacation rentals is something that is so uniquely local. We, within the five municipalities in Monroe County, 
each municipality has its own vacation rental ordinance and then the county has its own and so that really speaks to the topic and i know miami-dade is different from broward and monroe every community across the state of florida we are such a diverse state i hope this is one area where there will be some real local input and again fingers crossed that we'll find some balance on that topic and so glenna on the other issue of flooding uh, you know we are ground zero we are the probably one of the lower points in our state we're an island chain uh, we've seen the effects of sea level rise for years and years and we have uh, addressed that in a very robust countywide plan. We sent out um, folks across the Keys to do a very in-depth LIDAR study that really pointed out the priority areas that we need to focus on, the real low-lying areas, maybe some of the bigger neighborhoods. And quite frankly, there are a couple islands that maybe have two or three houses on that we're going to really have to take a deep dive and say, are we going to focus our resources there? Are we going to focus our resources where more businesses, more homeowners are going to be impacted? And so that's what we're grappling with right now. And I'm sure we're going to talk about resiliency throughout our whole dinner conversation. But with uh, specific regards to infrastructure, we had uh, three major water main breaks this past spring in the Upper Keys. And it was a sign of things to come. And I have to compliment and commend the Florida Keys Aqueduct Authority because they jumped on it. Um, it's part of a, um, this just happened to be an acute situation, but they do have a plan to replace the water lines in the Keys. It's a long, complicated process. We have to pump in all of our water from the mainland. We're very grateful for that in, in these big pipes. And obviously they're, gosh, I think the Navy put them in way back when, when they were building the Navy base. So it's it's just natural that they, that these pieces of infrastructure are going to break down with weather, with saltwater intrusion, with storms, you name it. And I, I um, think we, that's, we, we yeah. face that down and, there. And I think that's kind of I'd an like issue that everybody faces. Um, I want like to take a quick break. I'd like to mention, we need to, I just need to take a quick commercial break and okay. we, we'll be right back. We'll talk about that and also get into uh, some transit issues, big regionally. Stay tuned. We are back with three South Florida mayors talking all about 2024. Nan Rich, Broward County Mayor, where we left off. Um, I want to I talk a little bit about what Holly had talked about. Number two, big issue, transit, transportation, a lot going on there. But but I wanted to give you a chance to finish what yeah. we started. Yeah. yeah, I would like to just mention a few things about uh, resilience since uh, our county has been very strongly involved for a number of years in a, a lot of resilience standards uh, planning across uh, uh, our county, and um, we we really do countywide coordination on resilience, which include our 31 municipalities, which uh, I mean, we're, I think we're about the largest in terms of numbers of municipalities with which we we do have to coordinate, uh, and the participation of the of the Seminole tribe. So uh, we have a, a, an annual roundtable every year. But I wanted to mention one issue with resilience because we all do have the same issues, I believe, with that. Uh, we had April 12th, we had an incredible flood event here. The airport was overwhelmed uh, the, um, you know, with so many neighborhoods. It was, it was just uh, really kind of devastating. 
So uh, we know, and as Holly mentioned, it's not going away, it's only going to increase. So we have to do more. I wanna just mention though, something that we, we, I, we, we I know that we are working together, but the, um, the uh, it's part of infrastructure, a big part, central and uh, southern uh, flood control project. That is something, um, that design of, of that, of that project that has existed, it was designed in the 40s and it is you know, totally not capable of handling our flood protection today. And um, so I, I wanted to mention that, that we, along with our partners uh, with the, um, uh, the compact have been uh, contacting the federal, federal government uh, and other congressional leaders to address this. And this is another area where I, I come back to the importance of all of us working together yeah. so that we can get this study authorized in such a way that it, you know, that it will look at the entire problem and not just be a portion of it. And then we have to come back and look at, at more of it because it's already at a point where, you know, it is not doing what it was supposed to do and it is not going to be able to uh, give us the flood protection that we need in South Florida. Yeah, so I, I suspect just think that's, that that's something that's really uh, critical for all of us. 100%, I know throughout 2024, we will be reporting on that so much. Uh, Daniela Livinkava, let's talk transit a little bit. Um, you know, Holly, I was thinking that the keys exist because of Henry Flagler's railroad. <laughs> but, you know, South Florida, Daniela, is built on cars. I, you know, I kind of pass the 836 being double decked and look up and think, oh. But, um, you know, train and rail have in 2023 have become a much bigger part as well as as bus the fa you have a word for it fast fast buses I guess in the bus lanes talk a little bit about what we can expect in the coming 12 months very good well it is a regional issue like you say just like housing is people are coming and going all the time uh, and for school for work etc um, and uh, we really do need to have a better regional transit system. And we do have things that are coming along. Tri-Rail is now going to be coming into downtown Miami uh, in the near future. Brightline obviously has some more stations and they're debating in Broward Bridge or Tunnel uh, to uh, accommodate uh, more trains. And we, we have a SMART program and all corridors are in development. And we've had some very reassuring uh, signs from the federal government and the state government about those. The Northeast Corridor, which is the Brightline Corridor currently, uh, was uh, the NEPA study, environmental, was approved. And so we're moving forward with that. And there are stations that are uh, uh, prioritized along that corridor for commuter stops in Miami-Dade mm -hmm. County. The North Corridor uh, indications we're hoping for, for moving ahead with uh, Florida Department of Transportation in the lead. Um, to to have a, a train, an extension of Metro Rail to the Hard Rock Stadium and then beyond into Broward. Very critical. I'll mention that we have a very active bus route that goes from South Dade into the Keys. A lot of the workforce in the Keys lives uh, here on the mainland and commutes on a regular basis. And that's a very well-established and well-utilized uh, uh, route that uh, our, our commuters depend upon uh, for, for Monroe businesses, uh, and the other way too, right? I, I imagine some come this way. But uh, we really have doubled down, and for the first time in this year's county budget, we have a pro forma that includes funding scenarios for all of those corridors. South Dade, 
uh, transit way, used to be called busway, uh, runs along US-1. Those stations are almost completed and we will see in 2024 these uh, extended length um, level platform uh, boarding, prepaid climate, uh, climate controlled stations will really draw a lot of people into those routes. And there are electric buses. We will have the largest electric fleet uh, on the in the southeast for sure, one of the largest in the country. And we are getting in the electric uh, charging infrastructure. Uh, and we also have redesigned our bus routes. We have the Better Bus Network, which was launched with a free fare period that was six weeks long and ends uh, New Year's. Uh, but it is uh, drawing record number of passengers. So we were already at pre-pandemic bus levels. Uh, uh, and, and now we're even improving the service with more frequency on the uh, most popular routes that carry more people, five minute, 10 minute, 15 minute headway, headway rather than half an hour or an hour. Uh, so there's some adjustments and we're adding extra um, car service for those who are disadvantaged as they get used to the new routes. But we have made a major overhaul, the first in almost 40 years yeah, of our bus network. And, and I think um, as that gets tweaked and as public opinion comes in and needs, it sounds like what eventually will be the biggest issue is that, that what you call the last mile, getting from the bus or train. But the, the train service, you know, Brightline launched this year. Nan Rich, we had Fort Lauderdale's yes. mayor here last I, week. Uh, the yes. bridge versus tunnel fight is well underway. I know the county yes. uh, versus the city, the county is really pushing for the bridge I don't think Brightline or any other rail service can get from Dade past Broward without that, right? You have to get over the New River Bridge. You have to get the over new the river, new, river. new River. Or tunnel. Right. When I say Bridge. Uh, yeah, I, I do before I, th that is the, uh, you know, topic du jour, obviously. But I, I did want to mention that we are doing many of the same things that Miami-Dade is doing that Daniela talked about with uh, moving to uh, huge numbers of electric buses, charging stations, and by the way, I think that's so important because the more we can use electric vehicles, the, the better chance we have of reducing carbon emission uh, in our in our county so uh, and in South Florida. So we're, we're busy doing that under a program called Primo. It's a Primo mobility plan and it was passed by the unanimously by the county commission. And it's a it's a 15 year plan with four point three billion dollars that is to improve mobility. Uh, and 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 uh, make it safer, more reliable, and affordable. And it, for all of our municipalities, it goes across the county. So, um, you know, there was some talk by people about, well, we could use that the money from the surtax for the for the bridge, you know. But the but the the, the surtax is for everybody in Broward County. Uh, it was the voters voted <coughs> on it because it was going to improve. Uh, traffic congestion and signalization and all kinds of other things in each of our, you know, municipalities. So uh, we're busy doing that, and I'm really very, very, you know, um, proud of the the progress we've made. I think it will really propel us into the the the, um, the forefront of one of the few counties that will have embraced intermodalism, and uh, which is a key component of over moving people overall and and also environmental health. But the, the, the elephant in the room is the, is the, is the bridge tunnel. And, um, you know, the, I will say 
uh, we had a, a uh, the county and city, city of Fort Lauderdale completed a an in-depth uh, study. It, it was a joint study uh, agreed to by both the county and the city of Fort Lauderdale. Uh, it was signed, it was, it was, there was an ILA and there was a, um, a scope of service that was agreed to with, within uh, the project. And um, it really kind of demonstrated that the, the cost of the tunnel was, it was financially not feasible. Um, but uh, there is still discussion. I will say we had a workshop. There is a consensus, a nine nothing consensus at the moment on the county commission to go with the bridge. Uh, the tunnel takes an extremely long period of time and I've done some research on other tunnels. And when you put a shovel in the ground, you don't know what you're going to find. And it takes, you know, 10 plus years to do it. And I just don't think we have 10 plus years to get over that bridge and get this. This is a regional transportation issue from, you know, from Dade County to, to Broward to Palm Beach. And we can't complete it until we we get finished with that bridge. Right. So I, um, I, we're, suspect, we're, I suspect we are going to be reporting on that bridge versus you, tunnel, I'm especially sure in the next few will. months because way, federal funding deadlines come. So yes. I want to I want to head back but down the to the of, keys for a moment. The three of the Fort Lauderdale commissioners have also agreed that should this tunnel not be feasible, they will support the bridge. And we, the last point you made is correct. We must, by February, we really have to get moving on grant requests uh, because time is of the essence. We don't yes. know, you know if the money will be there and how long it will be there. But right now there is money available uh, for some project or another up in, in, in Washington. So we need to move as quickly as possible. Stay tuned, more to come on that, no mm -hmm. doubt. And the crunch to commute in and out of the Keys. We are talking more traffic there when we come back. Keys is a bit <laughs> different. I, uh, you actually did mention transit was a big challenge yes. for you in 2024. I just kind of picture that long road, US one, especially during either rush hour or hurricane season. And I suspect <laughs> that is very challenging for Monroe County. Well, if we could just bring the bright line all the way down to Key West, <laughs> our problems would be solved. Can we? We'd, we'd love that, it down there. Is yes. that a thing? Is that a thing? I think it would be incredible. Flagler 2.0. Let's work on and, that in 2024. Uh, I know. I know. What a, what a dream that would be. And you know what? We can always dream. And I actually just recently took the bright line with my son all the way to Orlando, and it was amazing. And so I really hope that rail is, is part of our future. But in all seriousness, years and years our traffic has been building right everybody wants to come to the keys people want to move to the keys people want to open businesses in the keys and why not it's beautiful it's our own uh you know paradise uh in south florida but we have one road like you mentioned glenna earlier us1 it's the lifeblood blood of our community we do have cardstown that is a county road that we share with miami-dade county but that doesn't connect all of the islands and you, we see especially in areas that are one laned we see bottlenecks we see backups we have an accident we have an ambulance that has to get through we have a boat that falls off the trailer that we have one last drawbridge in isla Mirada. that thing gets stuck up it can delay traffic for hours upon hours and so we've recognized this as a community and we've actually hired a full-time transit director that is helping us put together a plan 
to address these needs. Daniela mentioned that we, and we're so grateful for this, we bus in much of our workforce. And these are the workers that are the glue of our tourism industry. Without them, we would not have that robust of, of uh, a tourism industry. And that is that is critical to us. And we are short something like 20 buses. We've got, I wanna say half a dozen that operate daily. We need 20 more. And in conjunction with those buses, we need to allow residents and tourists alike and, and business owners, why not? Everybody jump on the bandwagon to use these, uh, you know, to use these buses. We also are talking about programs like Freebie. We've tried out Freebie in, in the village of Isla Morada. It's worked wonders. Let's expand that to other parts of, of the island chain. We've got a bus system that leaves the city of Key West, but it stops in Marathon. How can we promote that up the Keys? And so it's very, again, it's complicated, but it's not. We've got a north, we've got a south. Um, there's not too many other choices of places to go in the Keys. And it's something that we will continue to grapple with, but we are solution oriented. And I'm very, very excited about the direction that we're going. We've again, done a study, um, our transportation, our transit folks have really taken a deep dive. They've ridden on the buses up and down the keys and mm -hmm. identified the needs of the workers, the businesses, the residents. We have a large elderly population that doesn't necessarily need their own car. Why wouldn't they you know, jump on a bus to go to the doctor or the grocery store or the library or to the senior center? I mean, there, there are some solutions that are viable that aren't that expensive. Obviously, we're going to be working in the federal space as well on those, those really, um, you know, blessed dollars that come come from the feds but i'm excited and so when you check in with us in 20 you know the end of 2024 i think there's going to be a lot more to report on you know i i keep this i will keep all of the predictions and whatnot and when we're back here in another 12 months <laughs> we'll see how that goes and next, special scrutiny for supervisors of elections. A look ahead to 2024 races next. You know, we have um, about eight minutes left to chat. And I really, this, this year, unlike last year, this is an election year. And boy, a lot of things come with an election year, um, especially all three county, well, all 67 in Florida, but in particular for our conversation here, the supervisors of election in Miami-Dade, Broward and Monroe are going to be under a special scrutiny, uh, unlike probably ever before this year with a slate of new election security laws and whatnot. Um, I know Holly in Monroe, Nan in Broward County, you become mayor as the gavel passes, you are elected from your colleagues on the dais. Uh, Daniela Levine-Cava, Miami-Dade, has an election by the people. Um, this is nonpartisan for everybody, and yet we're in some divided times, and that kind of bubbles up in, in, uh, in various ways. Um, Daniela, I wonder if you can start us off for the next few minutes and, and predict the elections of 24. Not winners and losers, but the actual administration of it. <laughs> Well, as far as administration goes, we have an outstanding elections department and our supervisor, Christina White, has done an amazing job and we are uh, really, really proud uh, of our record. Uh, we know now that it will become an independently elected constitutional officer. A um, couple of people have filed to run. Uh, we'll see what the new year brings. 
Uh, but I know that the level of professionalism will continue no matter the outcome. So, uh, and we have a lot of elections this year. We've got uh, presidential primaries. We've got um, uh, partisan primaries. We've got the countywide, um, not only mayor's race, but the four constitutional, five constitutional officers. So we've got uh, a lot of elections to uh, take place between now and November. And sheriff and, for the first time in yeah, you know, however correct. long that is, <laughs> my lifetime. Correct. Well, it's it's so long that people can't remember. <laughs> and there was a re there was a reason why the sheriff uh, came under the direction of the county administration. And in actual fact, I'm the sheriff today. So uh, starting in January 2025, there'll be a new sheriff, and that is one of the new constitutional officers. So. Uh, yes, these are very high stakes, and how these offices interplay with county government, very critically important. We've enjoyed, for example, if you look at the Surfside tragedy, the uh, Champlain Tower collapse, we worked seamlessly. Police, fire, municipalities, our Office of Emergency Management, I was incident commander. And um, with the support of the state and the federal government and the USAR teams, now we're going to have working agreements uh, with with police, with the sheriff. So it's going to hopefully be someone that will really work well and, and be of the same collaborative mindset. Uh, so we're very proud of our police department. They have done a fabulous job. We have a high retention and recruitment rate. And so we're very hopeful that the same uh, quality will, will prevail going forward. Um, <clears throat> I'll just mention um, another topic for that's big for us. I'm also responsible for our uh, jails, our corrections and rehabilitation uh, department. And we have just uh, made a major turnaround in the jails. And after 10 years, we have been found in compliance with uh, by the federal courts for improvements uh, reforms in our jails and that was orchestrated by our now public safety chief James Reyes who uh, came from Broward although he's a Miami-Dade boy originally and uh, truthfully uh, what's happening there is something of which we're, we're very proud because we take very seriously the safety of our personnel and our our inmates and we have made major major uh, changes that are benefiting everyone. You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking Nan Rich, um, Broward County yeah. <laughs> has elected a sheriff. That's that's kind of standard operating procedure. Take take a minute or two and just uh, your supervisor of elections has raised uh, some, I don't want to say alarms because that's overdoing it, but he really has, um, he wants his constituents to know that there, these new election laws coming down the road really have, people have to take responsibility for their own registrations and make sure uh, that 2024 is going to be elections that they can vote in legally. Right. I'm sorry, I got disconnected before, so I had to come back in. So I, I was uh, out for just a little bit there. Um, yeah, um, I just wanted to mention Joe Scott is our, our supervisor of elections. We, we're thankfully uh, going to have a brand new facility, uh, which will be open for this election. That will be a tremendous improvement for us over uh, the, the, the one that uh, has been kind of outdated. That's exciting, and um, and yes, you know it's it's difficult because uh, the, the legislature has made it difficult. <laughs> they have changed laws again, uh, you know, in in terms of uh, everybody having to re-register for uh, a, a, a vote by mail, and it's um, so it, it takes a lot of time. A lot of the county has come up with additional funding 
for uh, the supervisor's office and make sure that that uh, we have the uh, the mailings going out there and uh, certainly the different political parties are calling and and, and making sure that people get re-registered. But it is a it is a serious problem uh, to keep changing these these rules and uh, people not realizing, and especially seniors, I have to say, uh, uh, there's um, there's a, a huge issue with making sure that they uh, have to that they know that they have to re-register. Uh, for their vote by mail, because so many of them do vote by mail. So um, we're, but you know, we're working very hard to make sure that we have a uh, a safe uh, election and um, one that uh, gets us, you know, our voters out to the polls. Holly so Rashine in in Monroe. I know just recently, um, everyone in Monroe and criminal justice breathed a big sigh of relief that there will be no consolidation with Miami Dade and. The, the circuits, the judicial circuits remain in the keys on your own, um, which is kind of like a, it's a wonky subject that a lot of people haven't really wrapped their heads around, but it's not going to change, so it's all good. But the 2024 elections coming up in Monroe, uh, are you comfortable that that's going to go really smoothly? Yes, and our supervisor of elections has been in office for many years. She's actually been with the office, I want to say 30 plus years. This is going to be her last election. She is retiring and her replacement will be on the ballot. Uh, we've got a couple candidates that have filed. Uh, it, it's, it is partisan, if you can believe that. Um, but uh, I think they're, they're both uh, very qualified candidates. One has been in public service for a long time. One is very committed to our community. So we'll see how that shakes out during the election. But I have nothing but compliments for our, our supervisor and her office. Um, we have three different offices up and down the island chain. Access to voting is extremely easy and complements our way of life in the Keys. Her outreach has been incredible. Uh, constantly we're getting emails reminding us that the absentee voters have got to re-register. And it's also, as was mentioned earlier, incumbent upon those voters That's going to, be, to really, you know, um, you know, to take that to heart and to make sure that they, they do get out there and, and sign up for those absentee ballots. I personally like to early vote. I think it's one of the best inventions ever. I know there's the, the OGs out there that want to vote on election day. But that's <laughs> fine, um, as long as you get out and vote. But I'm, I'm yeah. excited for 2024. Mm -hmm. I myself will be on the ballot. And um, there's a lot to come. Until you know, November. I um, it's going to be a rocking year for all of us. I want to just take this opportunity to say how grateful I am that the three of you have spent some time with us today. I know your constituents uh, find it very valuable and I do appreciate it. And I hope you will all be back frequently on our program to talk about in detail all of these things going forward. Um, Happy New Year to all of you. And thank you again. And for everyone else, stick around. We'll be right back. To watch today's interviews or listen to the This Week in South Florida podcast, just grab your phone, scan this QR code with your camera. It takes you right to the This Week in South Florida section of Local10.com. Let us know what you're thinking about anything you saw, anything in the news. You can email and reach out really easily on social media at Glenna WPLG. That's Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, X. Happy New Year to you from the whole team here at This Week in South Florida. We've got some great things in store for 24, so we'll see you next year. And remember, keep in touch.